juvenile tiny desk. I didn't enjoy it at all. So for for him to be from New Orleans, and then I'll, I'll go from from that into the conversation that we were having regarding just black women and black folk in love specifically. So the tiny desk was it was boring. It was extremely boring. With with Juvie being from New Orleans, I was expecting this this first when we talk about just the sound of the of the of the tiny desk that's supposed to be coming from the band and with him coming from New Orleans it, it just felt really melancholy comparatively speaking like I, I received you know and we know the difference between you know some live bands that just have it and some that don't I don't know if they just piece them together I don't know where these individuals are from and again it was majority black folk but it just didn't give me that that feel that I was I was expecting, and especially how they hyped it up, right? Like this was the tiny desk of Black Music Month, and you know, for for not having seen Juvenile in a while, like perform at you know at at this magnitude, right? Which which tiny desk is we know it's going to be viewed by millions of folk i just thought the the sound and again it could be just the, the space that they were in it, it didn't lend itself to being as robust as it probably could have been but even with that being said like i've, I've watched tiny desk previously with you know we talk about wale wale being from dc and how you heard that go-go sound from from the the band that he selected so i just thought that was lackluster in itself the the crowd the crowd was awful right the the, the crowd was awful in, in my opinion but again you're here in the in a space that's not the typical crowd for a a for them to be fans of juvenile in in that way even when i, I just saw a video a few minutes ago of manny fresh just being out there it was just it was young people and it was white people right and that's not the the age range for those who who grew up listening to to juvenile and so i i think on that front just the the audience it didn't bring that that energy that you would hope for and then the songs right like it's even like his cadence his flow it just what again he sounded like an adult <laughs> like a grown man he didn't sound like a, a hungry 19 20 21 year old like when he did how i was just like well why can i understand all of the words that you're saying for ha juvenile it, i had to go on on ola this before genius uh, original hip-hop lyrics archive to understand what you were saying <laughs> to uh, in the in the, the song ha so i just found it to be it, it just wasn't for me and hopefully you know maybe other people thought differently but for me it was just like a no-go that's not something i'm gonna go back and and listen to unlike babyface unlike who else did they have charlie wilson charlie killed it again we talk about like again the bands were just were so amazing for them and i think that's just the tone to what a a tiny desk is supposed to look and and sound and and feel like so we had this conversation and then somehow we transitioned to a conversation about about black folk and, and black men specifically who are who are palatable to white people <laughs> we were talking about tyler the creator and and childish gambino uh, donald glover and just and how do we get there 
how do we get to the to just them being palatable to to white folk? Oh, because we were talking about just the, the the crowd and how it was mostly composed of white folk and how that influences their ability to engage with the music that was that was being performed. And so we just again we just went down this rabbit hole and it got into a conversation just uh, on interracial dating and just where what that looks like in in 2023 for for black folk specifically and the premise of the sister was that and again this has been a a, a widely a widely held belief amongst black folk this idea that women black women who may go on to marry white folk and some of the examples were given were like serena williams and eve even though i looked at that as being a distinction um, because their pool is infinitely smaller when it comes to, to black men, just based off of status, based on on wealth. Um, and so they, black women marry white men or date white men because they've exhausted their the the the, the dating pool of of black men. But conversely, black men date white women, white women and marry white women for status, for protection, for yada, yada, yada. And so I, I just thought it was, it was compelling that, I'm not going to say that in 2023, we're still having this conversation because again, it's, it is, it's very real, right? We, we talk about just what dating looks like and the assault on, on the black community historically and how that influences our, our dating habits that influence our uh, how we show up in in relationships and, and my my point in in the argument because I, I don't want to miss and misinterpret what she was trying to say but my point in the conversation was the influence of of patriarchy white supremacy capitalism and so on and so on has really had deleterious effects on black men, men for sure, but black men specifically to where it's not until later in life that many folks start to look at, and many brothers start to look at and realize the relationship they, they have in life aren't fulfilling. They aren't, they aren't adding value to their life. And then they start to, to recognize, hey, I need to do some internal work, hopefully, that I need to do some internal work in order to to really have these sustaining and, and fulfilling relationships. And by that point, and I guess her argument was by that point, because it takes so long, and 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 sisters have continuously endured, 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 that they now have opened their 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 options up at this point. And why doesn't it take place sooner? So it was just, for me, it's always encouraging just to have conversations with sisters who, and even though she's not reflective of all sisters, right? But just to, to understand her feelings on how she, she, how and why she feels women show up the way that they do in this space. But more importantly for me, what needs to be done for men to be able to show up equally? Right. And show up whole in these situations. Right. And, and show up whole in these in these relationships. And for 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 us, for me, she was like, well, what needs to be done? 
or what do we need to do as women? And I always go back to this idea, and it goes to the same thing when we talk about like racism and white supremacy. It's nothing that black folk can do to combat white supremacy. That's not their responsibility. That's not their job, right? And so similarly, it's not women's responsibility to, to teach men, right? Now we can, and teach men at the, at the expense of their own well-being, because I do believe in this idea of community and what that's supposed to look like, right? And so yes, teaching is an element within this, but it shouldn't come at the expense of, of your well-being. And that's when it becomes incumbent upon other brothers to really sit and have conversations with brother, hopefully reach them before they get to this 30 to 40 mark, where now they start to have the, this epiphany that they need to make healthier choices going forward. Right, hopefully that, hopefully that makes sense. Um, so yeah, so that was the, the conversation that was, that was going down earlier. Again, if you got a question, feel free to hit the joint. I don't know how y'all do it. I see a little question at the bottom, or if you want to join in live, feel free to hit the, the live button. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to think what else did I, what else I've seen. I mean, the fireworks have been crazy, right? I, I, I still have no idea what fireworks have to do with, I'm not going to say, I guess it's celebratory in, in some capacity, but the fireworks had me up. At, at like one, two, three in the morning, and it still doesn't make sense, especially in the world that we're in today. Like we should be more mindful of <laughs> of people's traumas. Of again, if that, if you have any understanding of what post traumatic stress is and how that can be triggered by something like like fireworks, don't ask me why they sell them on the street corners. Right? Why that's allowed? Uh, and I'm not here for like government regulation of, of any and everything, but fireworks, I feel like you need the, you need four pieces of ID. You need to pay a thousand dollars in order to get one firecracker, right? Just to get one <laughs> around this, around this time. So, you know, we, we, cause we're navigating that and it's and just interesting is because you can't tell the, the distinction between fireworks and um, and, and gunshots are indistinguishable. You know what I'm saying? And so, we're saying it's fireworks at the house. There are fireworks bi-weekly for nothing. Meanwhile, I'm trying to sleep. Yeah. And, and so, especially where we are in, in today's society, right? If we're talking about just this, this idea of, of fear and, and, and how it's, it's captivated us all, and how it influences how all of us move. That's why they banned the, the push icey mask, this idea of fear that, that permeates the community. And fireworks are no freaking different. It has you thinking like there's literally gunshots. I can only imagine what the, the, the residents of, what was it, Southwest Philly? I think it was out like King Sussing. The, those residents who experienced the mass shooting now was it was it two days ago? I guess it was Monday. This is Wednesday. That experienced this two days ago. I wonder if they thought, you know what, this is just firecrackers. Let me still just go ahead and go outside and, and handle my business as as normal. But we know that that situation wasn't that. They're an individual. They the the media continues to identify. Uh, what's the? I can't even think of the name. Uh, Kim Kim Carriker. 
yeah, I believe it's Kim Carriker, who is the alleged mass shooter in Southwest Philadelphia. They continue to identify this individual as, as he. I don't trust the media when it comes to, to identification of, of people and and them recognizing their humanity, even in the midst of allegations that they committed such a, a, a heinous act. But I, I, when I when I see what took place there, I'm just thinking about what's the feelings and sentiments of a, of a community when it comes to just this, this not only rapid gunfire that influences so much, but just again, just consistent triggering of of anxiety, this triggering of depression when it comes to these type of of events. So. I'm, I'm gonna use they to identify this this individual. So they allegedly killed five people and wounded several more, and just went on a shooting spree. They had a, a, a bulletproof vest. They had a AK-47. They had a, a handgun, and they just went out shooting innocent people. And this isn't I. I got to be careful how I word this. I'll say I'm not surprised. And I don't think anybody should be surprised when we see mass acts of violence that take place in this society specifically, because this is what it's been predicated on. This is what it was built on. It was built on the uh, mass atrocities, mass killings of indigenous folk, built on the backs of of, of millions of, of enslaved Africans. So to think that some 400 years later, that the, 500 years later, that there's gonna be some difference, that's not necessarily how chains work, especially when you have um, you know, white men, because that's what it is predominantly, who continue to, to affirm these, these, these concepts of, of violence. It's, it permeates every aspect, every arena, that we that we occupy and so of course why wouldn't a somebody and again i don't know their mental health status they had residents who said listen this person always walked around with a bulletproof vest on they always walked around with a bulletproof vest on and so that that speaks to a level of pretend when i when i hear that as a therapist with my clinician had on that speaks to a, an individual who either feels extremely unsafe in the, in their community, or there's like some some deterioration of of their well being in some capacity to whether it's it's paranoia or or what have you to then get to this point where now they have an AK-47 and they're out here just shooting people at random. But again, it's it's it's, this is not an, an anomaly. This is what happens in societies where there's there's a lack of trust, there's a lack of love, there is a, a lack of, of respect, where it's this idea that rugged individualism is, is how you is how you survive in this arena. Because ideally, if this individual is experiencing a mental health issue or some deterioration and you see and people in the neighborhood recognize this this is when community is supposed to come together to assist this individual in some capacity but this idea of community is foreign to here in america this is why there is no we because when you say we we talk about community there's no community here 
everybody operates in in their individual silos as individuals and then this and, and within their families and then maybe they'll bring in some some outside people in their network into into their into their space but ultimately when it comes to to understanding who your neighbor is and 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 having a relationship with them or just seeing the humanity in another that just continues to never be a thing we saw that with the young brother who was shot in the head because he was knocking on the door for some assistance like fo people focused on this idea that oh you know what this this white man shot through the door because he saw a black boy and he felt threatened yeah that's part of it but the other part is there is this this overt lack of of trust of humanity that exists between us and so yes that young man was shot but what if somebody knocks on your door and they need they need help they need directions you might not shoot them but you might not what open a door you might tell them go ahead we don't make we again I, and, I, and i'll use i statements Right, we, I, there is times, and I've gotten, gotten much better at this. When we drive past somebody who's who's unhoused, who's homeless, we don't make eye contact, right? Because it's, what are you going to ask me for? Because we're so caught up, we're so self-absorbed as, as a community that we we neglect the humanity in others. And so, yes, yeah, you might not want to give them a dollar. When they when they might want to ask you, right? Because we, we we understand how difficult money is to come by. In this in this society, but what does it mean to to say I, I wish you the best, or just say hello? Like that's law. So if we if we lost this this just general loss, we've never had this this fundamental decency when it comes to our, our human interactions. What do you think is going to happen when when you're in spaces where things like race, things like class start to play such a huge part um, in in that specifically that specific you know society or that specific community, that specific area or that specific relationship that's that that's about to take place. So I, you know I, I don't <laughs> I don't know. Like you know I don't I don't I don't sit in and and wish for people to to go to jail. I don't, I don't live that life. I, I talk about this idea of accountability and why that's critical in the conversations that we, that we have when it comes to, to harm perpetuated against others. And there is going to be some measure of accountability for this individual. Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphia, I think there's a moratorium on the death penalty in Pennsylvania, which is always a good thing. I, I, can, I can never be a proponent of the death penalty. Why? Because they'll get that shit wrong, right? They've gotten it wrong. And so if they've gotten it wrong once, that should be enough to say, hmm, no more. No more. Because we have the ability to, to, to get it wrong again. But again, that's not how this system operates. That's not what white supremacy and, and this desire for for law and order that's not how this that's not the get down right that's not how this this goes and so this individual will be they'll be incarcerated for the remainder of their life again 
I, I don't know what restorative justice looks like when you when you murder five literally innocent people. I don't know what that looks like. I'm not going to pretend that I know what that looks like. But what I do know is, again, I can I can never advocate on behalf of the state. That goes against that fundamentally goes against everything that I believe in. Um, you know, and there's people much smarter than me that may have some some what restorative justice, what accountability can look like. But yeah, some people just need to be removed from society and placed somewhere else. So, yeah, it's it's just unfortunate because you you, you read the stories about people. The one brother, he was just going to he was on the phone with his girlfriend. He was just about going to the store to get something to eat. And next thing you know, he's, you know, he's, he's deceased. He's an, he's an ancestor. Um, and so those are, those are heartbreaking, right? Those, those are heartbreaking when you, when you hear those stories, you hear about the lack of humanity that exists, the, the lack of self-love. And again, I can't speak to the, to this individual's mental well-being, but to go out knowingly to, to kill, there's, there's, some some pathological issues that exist for that to be a decision that's made. You get what I'm saying? Um, and yes, it's like oh, it's always mental health when it because yes, because mental health is everything. It literally is is everything. The majority of people who are living with mental wellness issues are nonviolent. So even the people who society has built up to, to be as a threat, we're talking about our unhoused people who, who may be experiencing mental wellness issues, who, who may be talking nonsensically to themselves. They are not a threat. They are not a threat. They're more likely to be victims of violent crimes and, and not perpetrators. But again, when, we, when it comes to this conversation on mental health, it's so poor. That's why you. That's why you see individuals, even if an individual like, like, and I see Keish pulled up. Uh, salute to Keish. If you see an individual like Walter Wallace who may have a knife in his hand, there's a high likelihood that they're going to harm themselves and not somebody else. And again, this goes to the reasoning as why pol police shouldn't be primary responders two incidents where mental health issues are prevalent. And so again, I don't know what this individual was experiencing. But again, community members said their condition was deteriorating. They were, they've been wearing a bulletproof vest. And so that never struck enough concern because who do you call? Who do you contact? And say, yeah, you know what? This individual is, they're wearing a bulletproof vest for no apparent reason. Who do you call to say that to? No, it's, it's always in response to. So, yes, it has to be a mass shooting of, of five people for people, for community to get involved, for community to, to engage in the individuals who may be experiencing some psychological, some psychological issues. This individual may just be a sociopath, a psychopath. That's a distinct possibility as too. 
this notion that, that there won't be mass shootings is, is problematic in itself, that it won't be mass killings is problematic in itself, because that's just not the reality, because you're dealing with people. And everybody doesn't have the same capacity. And so it's, it's going to happen. It's going to continue to happen. That's why you have so many people who push back against this idea of, of access. Right, access to to to, to um, firearms like AK forty sevens. That just shouldn't be. That just shouldn't be a thing. Do you think police should go through trauma informed training of of some sort? I don't think so because I don't believe in the police. <laughs> right, I don't believe in the police in in, in in any way because what they represent, they they represent a. Historically, a system that has always been, um, been just the origins of it is rooted in harm and violence and oppression against the people, right? And so this is the idea why why I always say like black folk, brown folk, non-white folk who enter this space, they they're sacrificing a part of themselves in order to be a part of this, uh, be a part of this community. They're sacrificing a, a part of their their historical identity in order to be a part of this community because this this they talk about protect and serve that's never been what this is about right it's 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 how can I put this it's always been about whether we're talking about this or just this idea of overseeing right. It to intimidation like this has always been been the thing and then using violence when necessary which is more often than not whether it's psychological emotional violence or physical violence I was listening to the to the good brother Bomani Jones this was some years ago this was actually during the pandemic but it always stood out he talked about this that cops when we when we talk about violence perpetrated by cops and and the killings specifically or, or the severe maiming of individuals by the police it's because police operate under under the fundamental uh idea that if if you're if you're if you're trying to carry four dozen eggs it's a possibility that you might break some Right, that may happen. You may drop an egg or two if you're trying to carry several dozen eggs, and so it's just the cost of doing business. It's just the cost of doing business, and so you 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 can't hold them accountable because the what they're tasked to do supposedly is just so uh, so difficult. And that's why they want to use terms to describe the, the work that they do, that they're heroes. Well, no, you're not heroes. There's nothing heroic within this. Like, you signed up for this, right? Once you take off your, 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 your white shirt or your blue shirt, you're cool. You're fine, unlike the people that you police and over-police. So what is the best way to police the police in, in our community? Again... It should never be a thing, first and foremost. I always got to start with that. Having police should not be a thing. Um, however, since it is, 
again, it's is there a way to to effectively oversee those who have the ability to do whatever the hell they want? <laughs> right. So if there's no no real accountability, then what actually are we overseeing? Because, yeah, you might get one cop or two. Right? And we've seen it. You might get one cop or two who might get arrested because they go above and beyond the call of duty. <laughs> no pun intended. Harming people, killing somebody. Like the like the like the white guy that, that, that murdered George Floyd, you might get one. Right. But that's usually the extreme. And so in, in reality, is there is there really an effective way to 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 police in, in your words, Mike, or, or monitor or oversee what the police do? Probably not. Not until there's there's no such thing as qualified immunity, but that's never going to be a thing. It's never going to be a thing. Because again, they've been they've been given celebrity status within the communities. They've been given passes and they've been emboldened by by both conservatives and and liberals. You know, I see folk who I'm cool with, who who I like. I like they get down as politicians. If I ever was to be a politician, I'd be like, you know, I want to be just like that person. But in the same community where they're over policing and taking pictures with these individuals who are causing harm, right? In causing harm, nah, that's that's just for me. That's not it, right? So just to be clear, we don't need a system of law and order. No, you came in. You came in late, Los. You came in late. No, I. It, what we don't. What we don't need is the, how it's currently constructed. How it's currently constituted. And so, yeah, I'm one of those individuals who say you need to abolish the police and there needs to be a, another form of, of, a, for, of accountability for those who, who do not, who, who cause harm in, in the community. There definitely needs to be some level of accountability. And I'm not going to say I'm not necessarily opposed to, to having, I was talking about the, the mass shooter, I believe it's Kim Carricker from, that was in Southwest Philly. Yeah, some people need to be permanently sat down. But you're not going to hear me advocate for prison. Because just when we talk about just the inhumane conditions related to prison, like yes, yeah, some somebody broke rules of 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 how you're supposed to of public engagement and how you're supposed to engage with folk. But then to be put in these type of settings, you know, I I I just don't know if that's conducive to society as a whole by just throwing the people away. Because the fact of the matter is, like we have all these conversations, so we we talk a lot about, and again we. Right, because it ain't no we in America. There's a lot of conversation about about 500 murders in the city of Philadelphia. How many? Uh, let's say it was 500 murders were committed by 400 people. Who's sitting down with those 400 people to understand the root causes of why 500 murders took place? Nobody. So again, we're not necessarily concerned with with preventative measures. 
we're always going to be reactionary. We're, we're never going to really take violence serious. Because if you did, the people who are, are best known to, to shut it down, or not shut it down, best known to understand it, is though, are those who perpetuate it. Think about white collar crimes, right? What was that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio? It was him and Tom Hanks. And the F, he was like a, was he a hacker or a fraudulent person? But the FBI brought him in and was just like, yo, we need you to help us with understanding the mind of individuals who work like this, who, who commit these, these, these white collar crimes. We don't get that with, with crimes of violence. It's just like automatically we just throw you away. This is why folk like like Tookie Williams, and again, he, he was held accountable in the way that we hold people accountable here. But this is why they used to have in-depth conversations with them. This is why he his children's book were, were lauded because it was, you had an individual who's had these experiences. Now they're talking about what led them to these experiences. To, to engage in these type of actions. And now you're talking about like like where we sensationalize it. I'm not saying do a snowfall that's loosely based on, on, on Ricky Ross's life. I'm not saying do that. But where we're having real conversations about understanding the mindset behind it. That's why I like the show Mind Hunters on on Netflix. Even though it's it's you know it's I, I believe it's it's like loosely based on the what what is it with the FBI like like the criminal minds aspect like it's loosely based on on the origins of that right but they're sitting here with these serial killers and they're trying to understand they're trying to learn that's why in in Silence of the Lambs when they went to go see Hannibal Lecter because they wanted to, to 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 find and understand the thought process of Wild Bill so they go to these individuals but this never takes place here. And so we wonder why, again, it's, it's always the same thing that's taking place. Imagine if you, if you sat down with, with young folk under the age of 18 who've committed a murder to understand like what the cause of that was. They might talk about social media. They might talk about uh, their home life. They might talk about um, the, the unhealthy relationships with peer. They might, be, they might talk about how nobody believed in them within the school setting. We just throw that by the wayside. There's so much data out there that can potentially improve how how we address these issues. But again, we get caught up in the politics of it all. And again, I'm saying we, because there, there is no way we get caught up in the politics of it all. So, what time is it? Oh, it's 8.41. So, I really ain't got much left. Figured I'd just do this, do this once a once a week or so. Just come on here and, and chop it up. All right, I really ain't got much. So if you know, if if you enjoyed the content, so I gotta say this: head on over to Rhetorically Speaking on on YouTube at Philip Roundtree. Or on streaming platforms, hashtag you good man and rhetorically speaking, you can listen and check it out. Until next time, peace.